Well, hello, everyone. This is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message. Coming to you this morning from my studio beneath the sky, tucked away under the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us. It's Wednesday, January 17th, 2024, and we are happily thawing out from the deep freeze. You know, it went from minus 12 uh, to right now it's 40 degrees, and that's that's balmy. I mean, I'm ready to get out my suntan lotion and towel and just uh, sit outside and, and enjoy the, uh, the the warm weather. It is uh, you know, 40 degrees, nice. That's that. You can live with that. You know, you can go outside, the dogs can run around and play, and that's, uh, that's livable. But minus 12 with wind chills of minus 30, uh, you can have that as far as I'm concerned. We got Randy with us today, World Events Update, uh, lots to talk about. Uh, we'll bring him on here in just a moment. But uh, just a reminder, midweek, so we've already had a couple of podcasts, uh, Monday and Tuesday. Monday, we had Dr. Randall Price on talking about where is the Ark of the Covenant. I uh, hope you'll listen to that and spread the word. Yesterday, Shane was on, and we talked about technological trends in 2024. Really uh, great show, great discussion, especially the last uh, 20 minutes or so. Uh, we really got into some uh, practical ways that you can protect your identity and so forth online, and I learned a lot from Shane, and it was uh, just, a, just a great discussion all around, as he always uh, uh, does when he's on the show. Uh, after today, we've got two more great, great guests. Pete Garcia will be with us tomorrow to talk about hot spots politically, internationally, prophetically. And then on Friday, I've got Alex Newman. I always enjoy talking to him. He's going to give us the, the rundown on the annual uh, World Economic Forum meeting that just took place in Davos. Or actually, I think it's going on as we speak. It was, I think, Monday through Wednesday, maybe Monday through Thursday this week. But he's going to talk about Schwab, Davos, and the devil, and uh, he's always got some great insight there. We've got a great month lined up. Uh, just to tease you a little bit about who's coming up, we've got Andy Woods coming up next week, along with Mondo Gonzalez. We're going to have Lee Brainerd back on, Nathan Jones back on, Russ Miller back on, uh, couple of new guests, uh, two or three new guests that I know you're going to love. Uh, so yeah, just stay tuned to notbyworks.org. We're trying to, as I said in the opening, proclaim the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message within the context of current events, uh, Bible prophecy, and the setting of the stage. And so uh, appreciate your prayers as always. We've got uh, lots of great resources at the website, and uh, we are hard at work uh, rolling out a brand new app, the Not By Works app. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I don't have a launch date yet, but I've seen some prototypes of it, and and Brooke is working with the developers, and it is going to be fantastic. You'll be able to get it in the App Store on uh, Apple or the Google Play Store or whatever they call the Android Store Marketplace or something like that. But anyway, wherever you get your apps, you'll be able to get it by just searching for Not By Works Ministries. Uh, but not yet. It's not quite done it will be available uh, here hopefully in the next month or so. So uh, with that, let's uh, take a look at Proverbs chapter 17 to springboard into our show today. I always like to rest on the promises of God's Word, very great and precious promises. The Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And in Proverbs 17, I was reading this morning, verse 15 says, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just... Both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. And I was thinking about what a perfect description that is of our culture and our world today. We live in an upside-down world where wickedness is not only justified, it's protected, it's hailed, it's celebrated, and anyone who speaks out against wickedness is actually censored and silenced. And at the same time, godly, righteous people who are simply trying to uh, make a difference in this world by proclaiming the truth of God's Word, they are condemned in many cases, arrested, uh, like the young man that was reading Scripture on the public sidewalk while in a nearby park they were celebrating transgenderism and, and having kids, uh, you know, being sexualized and, uh, you know, paraded across a stage. And because he was reading Scripture on a public sidewalk, they arrested him. Uh, that was up in Wisconsin. So, I mean, it really is an upside-down world, but remember the rest of that verse, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord, and we know from Scripture that someday it will no longer be that way. It will be equalized. It will even out. 
when the Lord comes back, he will make all things right and all things new. So hang on, be patient, continue to look uh, heavenward, keep your eyes set on things above. I know this is a deep, dark world where the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. But, you know, it's just an exciting sign of the times because we know the worse it gets, the closer we're getting uh, to the renewal of all things in the kingdom. So I uh, hope that encourages you. It encouraged me this morning. Well, Randy, here we go. You know, it's uh, it's a new day, a new week, and uh, that means a new craziness. So welcome back to the program. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. Well, as everybody knows, this is the day you get all the good news during the week. You know, I was kind of disappointed in Shane yesterday. Usually he creeps me out with his stuff. <laughs> yesterday was pretty calm. So, you know, that's... You know, I don't know if that's a good omen, bad omen, well, or whatever. But well, not not everybody can turn on the creepiness as easily as you, my friend. Well, that's just. <laughs> I hope you mean the topics, right? And not of me. course, of course, of course. Otherwise, we got to talk. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you've got a gentleman that's going to be going over Davos and the WEF and stuff on Friday, right? Right. Good. All right. The only I'm going to add just a couple of things to that. So everybody kind of prepared for it. I want to go over some of the people that are actually at the meeting this week. Now we have Lee Quing, Premier of the People's Republic of China, Emmanuel Macron from France. We have the Ursula von der Leyen, President of the European Commission. We have Xavier Millet, I think that's how you pronounce his name, President of Argentina who was supposedly going to be Trump-like, but basically turning out to be just more like Biden. So that should be interesting. And Duk Su, the prime minister of the Republic of Korea, on and on and on. But then guess what? We have Volodymyr Zelensky. Mm -hmm. I know we're all surprised that he's there. Uh, you know, he says that Ukraine is a democracy. And if anybody's studying Ukraine or following anything, we know that to not be true. All right, let's see. I'm just going to go over the big names that you're going to recognize. Some of these you will. Yeah. Let me let me comment on Zelensky. I, I know I've said this sure. before, but I comment in my book about when he was uh, mayor of um, uh, oh the the capital there in Turkey. Um, he famously said, "This is in something he wrote that democracy is like a, a train. You ride it until you get where you're going, and then you get off." And so he he never has been a fa in favor of democracy. To him, it's just a means to an end. He used it to gain support, but he is a, a definite, a Klaus Schwab dictator at heart. Oh, definitely. You know, anybody that wants to be a leader of the country doesn't speak the language. It has to be taught the language. You, you have to consider that a little suspect just to start out, don't you? Yeah. All right. Then we have Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, Jake Sullivan, our security advisor, and representatives from the Senate and House of Representatives, but they don't name them, which I find very interesting. We have Antonio Guterres from the Secretary General of the United Nations, uh, Kristalina Georgieva, Managing Director, International Monetary Fund, A.J. Banga, President of the World Bank, and on and on and on. It's just all good news. And if you want to know who the people to watch are, and not in a good way, look at the list. We also see that Mr. Herzog from um, Israel is there. Mr. Bibi Netanyahu isn't there for some reason. That could be because he's preoccupied right now. I don't know. But they're going. I think the subjects they're really going over this year is uh, disease X, artificial intelligence, the world economy, etc. So your gentleman that's going to give the report on Friday should have all kinds of good news. I'm yeah. sure we're going to all be feeling real good when we get that. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about our Israeli friends. All right. Mr. Netanyahu, Mr. Biden have not spoken in the last month. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a little concerning when we're their major supplier and backer and everything else. But there's evidently a big rift between the two as how they see the war basically going forward, where they want it to be. Um, Lincoln, uh, Biden, the rest of them pretty much all want the war to be over, want Israel to back off. But I can tell you right now, this war is going on till it's finished. 
And um, that's going to be in the future, but we're going to go over a lot more of that in just a second. All right. Israel continues to fight Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis. Uh, they got into a skirmish with Egypt two days ago on the Rafa border. Uh, they want to shut the border off. They want the Palestinians out of Israel. But the Egyptians say, you're not going to send them to us. We do not want them in the Sinai. So Egypt right now is um, very moderate. But if they keep pushing, we could have a major war right there. Uh, same way with Jordan. The Jordanian queen or king is Abdullah, I believe. And he's a moderate. But he is also of the same opinion that the, uh, I want to say the seriousness, the um, not even random, the wanton destruction of life and property needs to stop because he's getting a lot of a lot of pushback. Now, these are the moderates in the area. So if we get involved in a war with them, or if Israel does, we're going to get drug into it also, much more than we are now. Supposedly, we have 400 or 500 advisors on the ground in Israel, um, pretty much around their uh, nuclear power plants, nuclear weapons, kind of watching what's going on. Uh, everybody's seen in the last week all of the attacks that the United States has made against the Houthis in Yemen. Uh, you see the Red Sea boiling over, etc. It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. And as we go through this, I'm, I think you're going to see how these wars are forming, I hope, anyway. All right. The hostages are still being held captive. They find one or two every other day, um, always dead. And I'm afraid the rest of the hostages are probably also not with us anymore. There may be a few they're keeping, but I find it really hard to believe. Um, Hezbollah and... The Israelis right now are going at it, not full-fledged. It's more of a tit-for-tat, but it looks like we're probably going to have a full-fledged invasion of Lebanon by the Israelis probably in the next month. Uh, Israel has cleared out 250,000 uh, Israeli citizens from the northern part of Israel. They are massing their troops, their equipment on the northern border, and it looks like they're getting ready to move in. Now, the problem with Israel and the war, of the 350,000 personnel they have in the IDF, we have to remember it's more of a citizen army. They're called together at a time of conflict, but they all have jobs. They all are working other jobs, providing for their family, helping the economy. Without those people uh, doing their jobs, Israel is starting to suffer. And so they're going to have to make some changes very shortly. Um, basically, right now, Israel is being attacked or is attacking in Gaza, the West Bank, the Golan Heights, northern Israel, right on the south of, um, south of Lebanon, the Houthis, Syria and Iraq. And the Samson option is on the table because they are getting overpowered in a couple of areas. They cannot maintain their um, borders. And so they are considering what they're going to be doing because once Hezbollah gets into the war, that's going to pretty much bring in everybody else. And the Israelis do not have the manpower to fight off Hezbollah. Yeah. That's one thing. Hezbollah is well-trained, well-equipped, and they're ready to fight. You know, one thing that occurred to me as I've been thinking about Israel, and of course, we have a lot of guests on that talk about Israel. Dr. Randall Price is really world-renowned for his uh, knowledge and understanding of Israel and, and their history. He's lived there. He's taught there. He's made, you know, 100 trips there or more. Uh, and uh, we were talking offline, and it just it just occurs to me that, you know, everybody's talking about Israel's response to Hamas, and of course the mainstream secular controlled media is making it seem like Israel is the bad guy and making up all this nonsense about genocide and so forth. But what people forget is that Israel has constantly been under attack, and they've showed restraint. I mean, this wasn't anything new. What was new was the scale of it. It was by far the worst attack on Israel exponentially since they became a nation again in 1948. But every day, 
they they live with this stuff. They live with you know skirmishes and uh, terrorist attacks and uh, you know all all kinds of stuff. And they they show great restraint. But you know I think when when you have this level of a, an attack, which as I pointed out many times, if you uh, you know compare it to the United States, uh, you know in terms of percentage of the whole of the population, it would be equivalent to a terrorist attack in the United States killing thirty to forty thousand people. You think if if we were attacked by some enemy nation or terrorist group that killed thirty to forty thousand U.S. citizens, we wouldn't, you know, attack. I mean, uh, retaliate in kind. Of course we would, and we should. I mean, on nine eleven, uh, regardless of the background information on that, the fact was, you know, three thousand citizens were killed, and we we went, you know, you know, all out against countries like Iraq, which had nothing to do with 9-11. So absolutely, you know, this is something that we can't ever forget that Israel is simply defending themselves. They are an ally. Are they perfect? No. Do they have leaders within their secular Jewish government that are not necessarily on the good side? Probably. I mean, we certainly do, and and, and I am convinced that they do, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't uh, support them. But just keep in mind that, you know, What's happening now is happening within a broader context of Israel being constantly attacked. And so, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's you know, support Israel as we should. God has a future for national Israel. Uh, if they make mistakes, hold them accountable. Um, but I really believe that, by and large, any mistakes that Israel's making now are unintentional. Um, I do still believe, and I, I say this at great risk because I know people disagree with me, even people I greatly respect, but I do believe there are components of Israel's uh, secular government right now that are working uh, hand in glove with the Luciferian elite, just like we have the same thing in the United States of America, and they are helping to facilitate what the New Worlders think is going to be a one-world system, politically, religiously, and economically. These are not saved individuals. They are not Christians. They are not coming at this from a biblical view of uh, Israel, they are simply uh, puppets in the game. And that's true of just about every nation, and Israel is no exception. Uh, but that doesn't mean that everybody in Israel is part of that agenda. And uh, in the same way that we love our country and we support our country, even though we know inside the Beltway there are Luciferian elites, uh, we ought to support Israel. So um, that's my my latest uh, thoughts on, on, on that whole situation, Randy. Well, I have to agree, because Israel's been under attack since they became a country in 48. They have something going on all the time. Now, I'm sure that they kind of institute it once in a while and they kind of poke the bear. But you know what? They're a nation of 7 million people surrounded by hostile forces. They have nowhere to go. Okay. They couldn't flee to another country because there are no friendlies around them. And so, I look at some of the stuff going on. I will always support Israel. I don't necessarily think they have the best leaders, but then being in the United States of America, that same thing applies here. You know, I believe the biggest problem for Israel is Iran. Iran supports the Houthis. They support Hezbollah. They support Hamas. They're always in there causing trouble. They have stated publicly, publicly that they want to destroy Israel. They do not believe it should exist on this earth. And when you have, when you're fighting a battle like that, you have to take a different look at it than maybe we would in the United States. Maybe we would let some stuff go. Maybe would wouldn't make a big deal of it. But I got to tell you what: if people were paratrooping into our country, cutting down the fences and running in, butchering, raping, stealing, I think the American citizens would probably do worse than what the Israelis have done. You know, we've got 80 million gun owners. They're just all itching for a fight. So I get, I, I just get this opinion. We respond very, very closely. Yep. Yep. Now, Jordan, Egypt, being moderates, has been a real boon to Israel with this fight. I think that's going to change. I don't think there's anything we can do about it. But when we look at Iran, we knew last summer that they had nuclear weapons because they said they did. The Russians were going to give them more, and now they act like they don't have them. They have nuclear weapons. I have no doubt about it. Because Pakistan has always said, if you need warheads or you need missiles or you need bombs, we will be glad to supply them to you. So we know they've got them. Now the North Koreans are assisting 
not only Iran, but they're in there with Russia and everyone else. Uh, North Korea is a very poor country. You know they're going to export anything they can for a buck. So I am sure that Iran probably has a lot more of a force than what we're aware of. And Israel is going to be hard-pressed to do the right thing as far as their survival goes because they're they're just left with limited options. Um, I can tell you right now, if the United States or if Israel attacks Iran, uh, that will bring Russia into the scenario immediately. They, um, I think they have put Iran under their nuclear umbrella, made them some guarantees for which Iran is shipping them munitions, drones, etc. Iran is building drone facilities in Russia. Uh, I think they're pretty tight, and I don't think I would want to be the one to get in the middle of that. Mm. That could be a real problem. Um, Israel's not going to back down. They can't afford to. They have to fight to the finish, and that's what they're going to do. Now, with Netanyahu being part of the WEF, makes me wonder a lot about him. We've talked about whether or not the Israelis and Netanyahu knew about the attack before it was launched. You know, I listen to you. I listen to my research. I look at Tom Hughes, Brandon Holthouse. They're saying the same thing. And then I look at it, the other segment of the podcasters, the preppers. Oh, no, they didn't know anything about it. You shouldn't be saying bad things. And all I'm going to say is this. Um, there's a small chance that Israel didn't know about it. But when the Egyptians said immediately they had warned Israel a year ago and seven days before the attack, I don't think they did that just just to talk. Mm. So everybody's got their own opinion, but I'm beginning to wonder about some of the people that are giving us their opinion. I don't think they have a clue, to be honest with you. Now, the United States is getting in deep. We are getting into uh, a quagmire. We have 58,000 troops in that area on the ships, in the airfields and soldiers, we have a lot to lose. We have carrier battle groups. We have 71 ships in that area, which are worth billions and billions of dollars and we could not replace for years. The Houthis have been found to be moving their weapons at night. They will make an attack, then they will move their weapons so that basically the United States, Britain don't know where they're at. Smart thing to be doing. I do the same thing. But as we get more ships into the Red Sea, the Red Sea is a small area. Iran could cause us big problems. Yemen can cause us big problems because there's nowhere to maneuver. So we're having attacks every day, even after our big attack last week against Yemen, they come back every day. They're now firing on American ships and American warships. So in other words, they're not scared of us. With the Iranian Republic Guard moving in there in the last few days. They're being reinforced. I have a feeling there's a big surprise coming, and they're going to make a massive attack on our Navy, and probably against Israel at the same time. Now, they have the surface-to-ship missiles. Um, they used them the other day. They're not very accurate, or they don't know how to use them one way or another, however you want to look at it. But with the Iranians there, with their equipment, they will be much more deadly than they are now. So I hope we stay out of the range, but the closer we get involved, the more we're involved fighting Hezbollah and stuff like that, the more we're at risk and the bigger bigger chance of us having a really catastrophic incident happening there soon. Now the Red Sea is basically shut off from shipping. Um, they were sending ships in there with escorts, but that's not working. So they're going around the west horn of Africa to make their deliveries. Uh, I look for the Iranians to probably close the Persian Gulf, Gulf of Aden, in the next month. They're getting more active. I think they're getting ready to make an attack. And once they close the Strait of Hormuz, oil prices are going up. Oil supplies are going down. That's going to disrupt trade all over the world. Not only foodstuffs, but everything else that you use and that you need. Um, now, speaking of the Houthi, I, I don't know if you were going to get to this, but did you see that? I think it was today. It might have been yesterday, but no, I think it was today. Uh, I got an alert that Biden 
had once again redesignated the Houthis as a terrorist group. Uh, he that Trump had designated them as such, and then when he got in office, he he kind of revoked that designation in 2021. Yes. Now he's once again relabeling them as a terrorist group. But what doesn't make sense? They're going to be a terrorist group as of February 16th. <laughs> Why not just make it today? What is going to change That's between the now and for you. I mean, what do we got to let them all get out? <laughs> I mean, I, I yeah, I'm not the president. I'm not a general. But some of this stuff makes no sense. Yeah, well, it until makes then, no sense. Until then, they can you know kill people and hijack ships and be pirates, and they're not terrorists. But on that day, suddenly they become a terrorist. It's just classic government bureaucracy. I, I just I don't get it. You know, it's sometimes it just makes doesn't it doesn't it make you wonder what's going to happen in the next month? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got to stop and go. Why the pause? There's always yeah. something going on. And, well, I'm sure Ice Cream Man's got it under control. That's all I care. <laughs> you know, well, it, I just it is, it is interesting. You know, today's the 17th. And, you know, I just had this feeling this morning as I was reading and, and, and doing my devotion. I thought, you know, why does it feel like we're already a month or two in? It's like these first two weeks have just so much has happened already in terms of posturing and just, you know, things that, that you know, I don't know. I, I just, it's just, it's just coming to pass exactly as many people feared it would. Not in a, a fearful way. I mean, not in the, you know, the sky is falling head for the hills, but more of a, just so many geopolitical uh, pieces of the puzzle just being put in place. And, uh, you know, we were just barely scratching the surface. We've got not, you know, 11 and a half months to go. Yes. And, and we're going to enjoy those, I'm sure. Right. Right. You know, yeah. so now our friends, the Russians. All right. They are interesting. And what they're what they're doing is interesting. And I love the way some people are interpreting exactly what the Russians are doing or what they're saying. Now, I've been reading the last two days. Russia's going to make this big offensive and they're going to go through Ukraine. Then they're going to go up to the Baltic states. Then they're going to take out Poland and everything else. That is not their goal. If you have a biblical perspective, what's going to happen? They're going to move through Ukraine, or there's a 50% chance that Ukraine will join the Russians. We have cut off their supplies. We have cut off their munitions. I can see Zelensky being the little turncoat that he is going, hey, what are we fighting about? Let's not fight. Let's just go ahead, be friends, and we can set up a puppet government. You can have your southern area if you want it. And because I don't trust Zelensky any further, and I could kick him. Hmm. He knows his life is at stake. He knows that the Russians are going to get him sooner or later. So if he was smart, I'd be doing some back channel right now going, hey, this needs to stop. We, we've accomplished nothing except killing a million people, spending hundreds of billions of dollars, and ruining the Ukraine. So we'll see as the year goes on, the Russians are going to mount an offensive beginning in February. The first new moon that we have, look for the fighting to increase. They have 615,000 troops there right now. They have 600,000 in the rear. And supposedly they're gonna start another offensive with 200,000 people. Well, I don't know what they need another 200,000 for. They've got plenty. They have plenty of supplies with North Korea and Tehran supplying everything they need. They're going to move. They may make it look like they're going to attack NATO to keep them at bay. But what they want are the warm water ports. That's so they can get into the Mediterranean. They can have trade, move their ships wherever they want them year round. Now, Turkey will basically let them through the Bosphorus over by Ankara, or wherever it's at, and they can go freely uh, because they border the Black Sea. All right, so they're going to be able to move. They'll have the warm water ports, and then, you know, the Polish are adding trips, troops. The Germans are adding troops. Everybody's getting excited. The Baltics are on some high alert because they think they're going to be attacked as long as... The Allies, NATO does not make the first move. They're okay. Now, if they do, I can see Russia laying down um, nuclear weapons, 
missiles and create a border because of the radiation that the NATO troops would not head to the east. They don't want it. They don't want to do it, but they will do it. Putin has no problem. It's in his arsenal. He will use it if he's pushed. But that is not his goal. His goal is to get to the south and hook up with Turkey. Turkey becomes more of a pawn with Russia every week, as does Iran. And so I would say in the next six months, Turkey's out of the NATO alliance. We can't tolerate them being in there much longer because they're doing everything opposite of what NATO wants to do. They want a war with Israel, and they're going to have one. Yeah, I don't understand why NATO hasn't gotten together and uh, you know, gotten kicked them out already. It just shows that the whole system is rigged, and 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 then they're all controlled by higher you know powers. Uh, because by any conventional, normal, logical thought, the the actions that Turkey has taken over the last year disqualify them from being part of NATO. And so, yeah, it's just uh, uh, you know, I hope you're right. I, I think it's what should happen. Uh, I mean, NATO means nothing. It's it's an alliance, right? That's what it's supposed to be. And when one member of that alliance betrays others and goes rogue and does things that are not in the best interest of the alliance, uh, they're no longer part of it or shouldn't be. So uh, we'll see. I, but I'm not holding my breath. I, I think there's something bigger at play here. And 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 they the the Luciferian elite need Turkey to 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 kind of be connected to NATO. But we'll see. Well, at least for a while. Because let's face it, they they couldn't they have the biggest army in NATO. They have two million men, and that is larger than anybody else. They have uh, a good air force, a good navy, and they're not the ones you'd want to mess with. Just kind of like Iran. Now, NATO wants to have a quick reactionary force of three hundred thousand troops. My question is: You have all of these different countries, all speaking different languages, all using different weapons. What are three hundred thousand people going to do for them? There are 1.2 million Russians. You don't have enough to defend anything. I think NATO is a paper tiger. I think once they are actually looking at a direct conflict with Russia, they quit. They're not going to want to. They're not going to want to get involved in that. Right now, if Russia were to desire to move right now, they could go into Moldova with Transnistria right on the coast there. They could move through there, Romania. Hungary, Bulgaria, they could be in Turkey probably a week or less. And everybody should remember, keep watching all of the troops that Russia has held back because there are 600, 700,000. Um, they're just waiting. Now, Zelensky supposedly says he can muster a force of 600,000 troops. He has 50,000 now. Well, in looking at what his choices are, he has a lot of women. He has youth under the age of 18, and he's got the old timers. Now, I got to tell you what, we, as an old timer, I could speak with some authority. I could last for a little while, but if it got to zero degrees, I quit. I'm going <laughs> home. That's just as simple as it's oh, going to be. Come on, Randy, Grandpa, we know you'd quit when it got to 20. It wouldn't have to get down to zero. <laughs> <laughs> you, had, you have enough um, yeah, days at 20, yeah, I probably would. Yeah. So anyway, there, all the hoopla, it could turn out to be a war with NATO if the United States gets more desperate because we know the economy is trash. We know the dollar is now worth three cents for every dollar. That's all it's worth compared to 50 years ago. Uh, that's with inflation and everything. So your dollar buys nothing. And if you don't believe that, go to the store, right? All right. Now, let's talk about Mr. Trump for just a minute. Mr. Trump took the uh, Iowa caucus by storm. He ended up, I think, with 51%. And um, Harari, your and my favorite gentleman in the world, says that Trump is going to win the election. Considering what he's got for those running against him, I think he's right. Yeah. I mean, face it, DeSantis, Haley, Ramaswamy, he just ducked out. But Ramaswamy is telling the other candidates, get out, let Trump run. Now, Ramaswamy, he uh, looks like he's just being a good loser, but they were getting ready to expose him about all the money he made during COVID, supporting all of the jabs and everything else. And 
it wasn't going to be long and he was going to be gone anyway. But I could see Trump getting in there. I think he could beat the Democrats unless they come up with Satan himself. Um, I'm not but even. I, I'm not even convinced that that would do it. I mean, I mean, let's well, face it. I mean, it, it's this country. Most people are so locked into the right-left paradigm that they don't care who's on the Republican ticket and who's on the Democratic ticket. They are voting Republican. Period. It, it just. I mean, it's it's just it's laughable. It's become the laughing stock of other civilized nations. They they look and they go, how can you you know elect a reality TV star and you know, I, I don't know. I, we'll we'll see. But I, I think I go back to what Leo Holman said last week in a, in a show we did together. He said one way or the other, it's looking like the powers that be are fomenting discord and dissension and, you know, very impassioned uh, conflict on American soil. Because if you know, I, I think it's a foregone conclusion, barring anything unforeseen with these trials and, and anything else that, that might happen. Uh, that Trump's going to win the nomination. Uh, then you've got Trump versus Biden, again, barring anything unforeseen on the Democrat side. Who knows what could happen with Biden? But let's assume it is Trump versus Biden. Um, I think if Trump wins, you're going to have, you know, protests and, you know, complete unrest. And if Trump loses, and again, I, you know my view, I don't believe we have elections i think we have selections so i think it's it's predetermined what they want but no matter who they select uh you've got so much anger in this country that there's there's likely to be some type of uprising and that's exactly what they want uh so uh and then you know as far as ramaswamy ramaswamy you know he uh, there's not a candidate in the running right now who didn't support uh, most of the, the COVID and, and vaccine stuff. And don't talk about DeSantis because go back and look at the record. He he eventually yep. used his magic wand to try to appeal to voters and, and give these executive orders, which in my opinion is no better than when Obama or Biden or anybody else uses the magic wand and gives executive orders. Uh, you can't have it both ways. You can't call them a dictator in chief. And when the dictator in chief does something you like, say, oh, I'm glad he used his executive orders. It doesn't work that way. It's a, it's a principle of it. Um, but so, yeah, there's just not a candidate in place that hasn't bought into the mainline narrative on both uh, the, you know, the, vac the the virus as well as the, you know, gene altering bioinjections. And so that's telling. And then you've got Kennedy, who they, you know, are propping up specifically because he's the lone guy out there, the independent who's you know going to draw votes away from people for whom that's a major issue. It should be a major issue for everyone. Um, but I think this is just shaping up to be another uh, you know 2000 like Bush Gore or another 2020 with uh, you know protests and things. Uh, so who knows it's 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 but you're right. it's at this point, barring something unforeseen, it's full speed ahead for the for the Trump campaign. Well, but I keep in the back of my memory with some of the military guys that I talked to, what they've said, the next president may wear a military uniform. I could see the military saying, we don't want Biden, we don't want Trump. We're going to step in and we're going to take care of this until you can get candidates or they just take care of it forever. <laughs> we're in, we're due for an insurrection, civil war, whatever. Uh, if you don't believe that, talk to the people on the street. They are so left or so right. There is no middle anymore. There is no tolerance. There is no love. It's just like, it's got to be this way. And that's the only way it's going to be. So um, George's DA, Fanny Willis, we talked about her last week just a little bit. Uh, she had this improper relationship with one of the attorneys. Uh, now she says that, you know, basically the complaints are racial bias and race based. Now, I don't know how you figure that when she's having an affair with somebody that makes $650,000 from that relationship. How does that get past the greenback? There's no race there. Come on. Let's 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 start telling the truth, telling it like it is, and then maybe we could get back to where we used to be, right? Whatever. <laughs> All right. Mr. Durbin from Illinois, Mr. Marshall from Kansas, are um, introduced a bill for credit card processing, which is going to use a completely new network. It's going to screw up the community banks, going to screw up all of the um, 
credit unions, it's gonna cost them a lot more. It's gonna push some of them out of there. And basically they didn't ask anybody. They just presented it. Of course, Congress went ahead with it. And so um, look, look for some big problems because there are 170 million Americans that use credit unions. So if you can't take them out with CBDC, you got to get rid of them somewhere, right? So if you change the networks, you start charging them more than they can afford. That's another way to get rid of the people that don't want to comply. Now, one nice thing I saw was Madison March, United States Air Force, was named Miss America. She's smart. She's good looking. She's a fighter pilot. And she's got a reservation at Top Gun. I like to see that, you know, finally somebody that's got an accomplishment beside roses are red. It's beautiful outside. And I don't know what I'm going to do with my life tomorrow. So I think that's a really good thing. Congratulations to her. I wish there were more bright things, but that's as bright as today gets. So, all right, let's talk about, let me just look here. Oh, scientists. Scientists want to drill into the magma chamber on an active volcano. Now, what could possibly go wrong with that? <laughs> they don't understand volcanoes to begin with, but they want to go ahead and dig into one. Uh, I certainly hope they do that in a different country besides ours, because I have a feeling that they're going to land 500 miles from where they're digging, and it's going to let something loose that um, they weren't intending. Um, we talked about Francis Gabriel Fatal last week. The 35-year-old has become the French prime minister. He's gay. He's half Jewish, um, born March 16th, 1989. Uh, he's moving up the line very, very quickly. Um, I want to reiterate, everybody should keep watching him for the future. I have a feeling he is not done. I have a feeling he's going to be moving up to positions we can only imagine. And I'll let everybody else figure out what I'm meaning by then, because I don't make guesses who the Antichrist is. But there are definitely some front runners if it's somebody current. And he would be one that I would want to watch. Mm. All right. Let's see. I ran, I ran evidently day before yesterday at a missile attack on the U.S. consulate in Erbil, Iraq. They're saying it was against Mossad, not the United States. Mossad has no, they have no presence in Iraq. So we know they're trying to hit the Americans. They're trying to lash back for all of the attacks. It's getting worse. Um, it's going to get worse, and they're getting very blatant. They're moving troops into areas where we're going to have a um, direct conflict, and that's going to be happening soon. FEMA gave a little update today. They said they anticipate infrastructure blackouts, social unrest, and a mass casualty event in the next few months. Now, they use predictive programming, kind of like some of the TV programs do. Do. Plus, you've been seeing for how long they anticipate something like that, right? We had the movie uh, Leave the World Behind. We have the one civil war coming out. I think they're trying to tell us. WEF said, hey, you're going to have a cyber attack. It's going to be in the next few months, and we know it's going to happen. So I think we better plan. If we're lucky, it won't happen in the winter, and it won't happen in July and August because that would be miserable. But they're probably they're probably coming. Our friends in China, very, very unhappy right now. The election in Taiwan was the worst person they could view as president for Taiwan. He is anti-Chinese. Actually, he thinks Taiwan should have its own independence. And I think we're going to see China exhibit their disdain for that in the coming weeks. And we'll get into that a little bit more. Now, China's having problems, big problems. Um, their stock market, their banks, real estate, et cetera, are crashing. They have 100 million unemployed people. They don't know what to do with it. Um, Xi Jinping right now is probably not worried about a war with the United States, probably trying to keep in power. Now, one thing that we found out last week I didn't have time to comment on their frontline ICBMs that they would have used against the United States 
evidently are full of water instead of fuel. The generals in charge took the fuel out and were selling it on the black market to local farmers and other citizens that couldn't buy it normally. So now I've never heard of anybody substituting water for rocket fuel, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't ignite and it goes nowhere. <laughs> and those generals, uh, I'm sure they're uh, paid they've up. disappeared. Yeah, they have, yeah they're, they're gone. gone. Yes, they uh, they don't know where they're at, uh, but I got a feeling we know, right? All right, last thing on China, they this is in this morning. They have a brain virus now that they have developed. It is a hundred percent fatal. It's called GXP2V, and of course they're looking at how can they use that in the military. So that gives us all great comfort to know that they've got something like that. Sure, they probably would never want to use it but um you never know well the government right. would never would never hurt its own people right i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure how many how many examples could we come up with right well read read the uh, spirit of the antichrist volume one and two i have two chapters one in each uh that to give blow by blow all the, the historical evidence of it so exactly now apophis the famous asteroid that i've been talking about since tuesday some people think I'm nuts, but here's the nice thing. The Russian space agency, the Chinese space agency now agree that it will hit Earth in 2029 in April. Um, like I had said a couple of weeks ago, uh, NASA is going to relaunch a Cybrus-Rex back to Apophis to see if it can take some samples, see if we could actually deflect it and how that would be appropriate. Well, Russia decided we're now waiting. They're getting everything ready, and basically they are going to mount a nuke on a rocket, and they are studying whether or not they think they can blow it up. Now, this thing is big enough that if they blow it up, what we're going to have instead of one asteroid is probably a thousand, and then we're going to have a real mess. But um, I find it interesting that Apophis wasn't even mentioned. Now, all of a sudden, everybody is interested. NASA's taking a look at it again. A lot of private space agencies are looking at it. Um, I would say April 13th, 2029 is going to be a very bad day. Yeah, in I mean, my opinion. That's uh, something that the late Tom Horn has written about. That's uh, He was way ahead of the curve on talking about uh, uh, Wormwood, uh, you know, and the, how this could fulfill the biblical uh, trumpet judgment of Wormwood. Um, uh, who knows? I mean, you've got insiders and whistleblowers that are saying it's on a direct course. Uh, you've got the, the official narrative saying that's going to be close enough to possibly wipe out some satellites, but not make impact. Uh, you just don't know uh, what to believe, but it certainly is very, very intriguing to me the timetable in connection. And I talk about it, by the way, in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, with the uh, uh, time, Luciferian timetable. And I'm going to be talking about that at, at uh, or the Orlando Prophecy Summit coming up in March. But, you know, it's it's intriguing to me how they've been talking about the 2020s, 2025 in particular, if, you know, this asteroid does fulfill uh, what the Bible talks about in Revelation 8, uh, then, you know, it's just a simple matter of math to kind of speculate on how close we could be to the rapture. But again, you know, we don't know, but it is something to, to keep an eye on. And I remember five years ago doing a conference where I mentioned it. It was still not out there. People weren't really talking about it other than Tom Horn. And uh, I said, hey, if, you're, if you've not heard of this, give it five years, you'll be hearing about it. And sure enough, here we are. People are talking about it. Uh, by the way, a couple or a breaking news item that just came across my desk. Uh, you mentioned Blinken was in Davos. Well, apparently Fox News is reporting he's stranded there because the Boeing plane that he was on suffered a critical error and they, they're having to try to fix it before he can leave. So who knows? <laughs> Will he be there long enough to get citizenship? <laughs> I don't know. Well, he's already a citizen of the global elite. That's for sure. <laughs> Isn't that kind of funny that <laughs> he's stranded? I I don't know. I love it. I, you know, it's just another thing to show God's disdain, I think, sometimes. All right. Let's see here. Federal Reserve, uh, they admitted that they've lost $114 billion in the last year. Now, we don't know if that's how much they've lost or if they've lost more, but there's no audit that's ever provided for the Federal Reserve. They just basically are honest with us. I think it's probably a lot worse. Um, 
they're forecast to lose a trillion in the coming year. So I don't know where we're going to make up all this money. I don't know if our taxes are going to go up or they're just going to take it all. That would be my opinion. But um, something's got to happen fairly soon. Yeah, I mean, Randy, what do you do in your own personal budget when you have a deficit, when you, when you, you know, have or you're spending more than you're taking in? What, what do you normally do? I mean, most people normally cut spending or find a way to have more revenue, right? Well, I think cutting spending is the way to go. Now, I'm in the cold weather. I'm not a fan of going out and panhandling. Yeah, I thought about that, but <laughs> I'm just thinking I wouldn't make enough to survive. So no, you, you would spending. But wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to cut spending? We could just keep printing money, and uh, oh. you know, that would be great. Like we do, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I yes. guess. You know, your guest Monday, Randall Price, Dr. Randall Price, on the um, Ark of the Covenant and stuff, I find it very interesting because looking through my notes back when we had given a little update on that, the Temple Mount people made it very specific that they knew where the ark was. What Dr. Price says seems to lead me to believe that they might be actually telling the truth. Yeah, And that's really interesting because, you know, they're looking at a sacrifice maybe in March or any time after this year of those cattle. If they know where the ark is, it's going to make March through June a really interesting time. Now, this is what else is going to happen. March through June, all right? The South China Sea and the Taiwan Straits will be calm enough for an attack against Taiwan, all right? Putin's election is in March. Uh, that ought to be really interesting. I don't know if anybody's going to live to, uh, you know, go against him or not. Russia's major offensive should take place in February or March. The large cyber attack that the WEF basically told us about it's coming, uh, is thought to be in that same, same time. The Houthis are going to be made a terror group on February 16th, all right? The CBDC, or the uh, nationalization of the economy, will probably take place at the same time. That is the timetable it's on right now. We have the sacrifice of the red heifers, of course, we have primary elections, most of them being in March. All right. COVID, disease X, whatever you want to call, whatever it is, uh, should be rampant by sometime in March or April. All right. The BRICS have a meeting in March. The By the way, speaking of disease X, did you see the report about that measles uh, exposure in two airports, Dulles and Ronald Reagan. Um, yes. I mean, yes. who knows if that's just, you know, more hype and be afraid, be very afraid, setting the stage for what they hope to do with lockdowns and so forth. But, you know, we, well, a lot you, of people have talk, talked about, including you, how they've got a lot of different viruses and diseases in their arsenal that they could use uh, to for the next pandemic. And it just makes me wonder if this is sort of the beginning of their, you know, paving the way for another big pandemic and lockdown. Well, last year, what was it? May, June, July, August was the time when everything got really excited. You know, we have all of these examples. And then Poland is going to call up 250,000 reservists, and they hope to have that by March. So it looks to me like March, April, May, June is going to be when a lot of things probably happen. Mm -hmm. Now, timetables change. Things go faster. Things go slower. Some politician makes some stupid mistake. It could happen tomorrow. We all know that. But I have a feeling that, you know, like you said, it's all going to culminate in 25. And I think we're going to have really major stuff, maybe even the start of a war involving the United States this year. But when you look through everything, you look at what's going on with the WEF, you look at the politics in the United States. I mean, Biden now is relegated to his wife leading him around during and after meetings. He can't even find his way out of there. When do the Democrats admit we got to have a new leader? Take him out with the amendment, ask him to retire, do something for whatever. Don't let him run again. Well, it's that. still it's still not out of the realm of possibility that that happens. I mean, he could have a stroke, either real or you know fabricated. Um, 
anything could happen. I hope uh, for his own well-being, I hope that doesn't happen. But there are a lot of things that could play out that result in him no longer running. Um, and there are yes. people waiting in the wings. Uh, you know, uh, Joel Skousen recently in his World Affairs Brief uh, talked about how there's still it's very plausible in, in his mind that they're they're pre preparing Hillary or even Michelle Obama. Um, uh, and I doing Michelle in air quotes. <laughs> By the way, those of you who are uh, listening to this, don't forget, if you sign up for our premiere subscription, you can watch the video version of this uh, discussion and you can kind of see uh randy when he grimaces at my failed attempt at humor but uh but yeah i mean i, I think it's you know we we assume it's going to be trump biden but that is by no means the case in the political world you know 11 months 10 months is an eternity and so much could happen including and i think you alluded to this a moment ago uh not even having elections I mean that that's we say that every four years, but I mean it's 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 certainly a possibility. Things could get so bad that somehow we're living under martial law and the Constitution is suspended. So, I mean, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Well, you know, a nation of three hundred twenty-four million people cannot come up with better candidates than what we have. It is truly a sorry, yeah. sorry situation. Our forefathers would roll over in their grave, probably get out of their grave, and go slap them and then hop back in. But the thing is, there are so many things going on right now. Things are going to pop loose. Now, will it be one big event? Then everything happens Will a bunch of small events. I worry about the economy because we all know that we're spending money we don't have, and they just keep generating it more and more and more. Now, if the United States would lose the war, have to back out or whatever in the Ukraine, um, this country would probably fall. It would just plummet as far as the economy, the military, and everything else. Now, now, we're in so many different wars right now. It's like we're in the Middle East. We're really kind of in the Ukraine also. Is China going to perform? Are they going to do something? Um, what about Iran? What about North Korea? I look at North Korea being the biggest crapshoot because that guy's unstable. He's got his little daughter out there. He's parading her around like she's going to be the successor. Now, she would probably make better decisions than he does. But, I mean, we have so many things happening that you can't keep track of because every morning I look, things change. Um, all I can say is I think things are going to be dire this year. They started last year. I think it's going to be much worse very quickly. Um, prepare the best you can. Uh, the best thing to do is get your friends, family, or whatever together so you rely on each other, as well as the good Lord. Because surviving by yourself is going to be extremely tough. I think if you've got a small group of individuals, you're going to be better off. You can use them to help with the work, defense, whatever. But I see it coming now. I see the warnings FEMA's giving, WEF is giving, um, rest of the government's acting the same way. Um, we look at the B1 or the yeah the B1 bomber in South Dakota that was taken down ten days ago. You know that was a cyber issue. You don't have a five hundred million dollar aircraft flying around and all of a sudden it just crashes. That doesn't happen. Um, all I can say is let's go back to when we used an abacus. We had a manual typewriter and we had the post office, which now is sixty eight cents for a letter. Um, things were simpler. Yeah. And we'd we'd live longer. Yeah, we did. Well, Randy, one thing I wanted to ask you about before we close today is on a practical matter. I want to get your quick uh, sort of two cents worth on sat phones, satellite phones. Um, I've been really looking into it. A lot of my friends, our mutual friends are looking into it. I'm just wondering in the grand scheme of, of preparedness and uh, how you you know could spend your money and invest in supplies and things to prepare yourself, where do sat phones fall? Do you recommend them? Do you not recommend them? What's your thought? All right. All of the satellites for sat phones are basically 250 to 350 miles high. They're right in the area. EMP would take place. All right. Now, Elon Musk has all of his satellites up there. Uh, a couple of years ago, I would have went with Iridium because they were as good as anybody. Musk bought those a year and a half ago. So now every there is 
one or two, um, I believe, independent companies, but most of it's owned by Musk. My, here's the problem. You don't get a local number with them. You get some long number that you're going to have to give everybody that you're going to use yourself. I think you can get a local number in certain circumstances. They're expensive. The time that you would be able to use them, uh, I think they charge per minute, right? Yeah, so, I mean, there's different plans. You can you can get uh, the most common one, and it and Iridium is by far the the you know top rated and best seller. And as far as yeah. who owns it, I mean, who cares? I mean, my my ham radio is owned by some Chinese company, probably, and you know, so you can't you can't in my mind that's that's interesting and it's something to keep in mind, but it, it doesn't change anything to me. It's just a matter of pragmatics. Uh, but as far as the cost, yeah, you can sign up for a hundred dollars a month, and uh, and you get. Uh, I think it's a hundred hours. I mean, a hundred minutes per month and it rolls over. So, uh, and you can get a local number. That's not a problem. It, you have to pay for it, but it's a one-time fee. Or I think I've said, I'm sorry, I, I, don't quote me on this, but I think it's an additional $10 a month, but, but I, I, you know, I haven't pulled the trigger yet on it. And, and that's why I wanted to get your take. And I know we've talked about it before, but to me, the advantage is it's just one more layer of protection. If, the cell phone towers go down and like what we experienced on 9-11, you can't call traditional landlines to a certain region uh, unless they take out the satellites, which is very possible, like you said, with an EMP. But until they do that, sat phones are always going to be a way to reach other people. And uh, if they're in an area where they still have traditional phone servers, you can just pick, pick up your sat phone and call them and they can call you or... Yeah. If if they have if they're in an area that doesn't have service, if they have a sat phone, so if you have a network of family, friends, your preparedness group that each has a sat phone, you'll be able to communicate. I don't know. It's pretty expensive. You know, you have to ask yourself, you know, with all the other layers of things that you have to hedge yourself, is it worth it? But uh, I could see I could see a benefit of it. Well, if they're going to take down all communications, internet phones, radios, et cetera, we know those are going to be worthless. Now, I, I think back to the senators, they gave the sat phones. Evidently, they thought they would be the best alternative if it goes to heck, yes. which you know, it probably has another layer, like you said, that it might be effective unless they take out those satellites, in which yeah. case. I mean, military has used sat phones you know, forever on, on, uh, I mean, not literally forever, but for quite a while on as a means of communication. I just, the elite themselves yes. and the, the Luciferians that are trying to take over the world, I, I can't see them, you know, cutting off the satellites. And I don't know the technology of it, if there's a way to cut off certain phones or, you know, whatever to block certain phones. But I, I just, I think so few people have them that, and, and the, the elite, re, re, you know, rely on them for their means of communication that I think it would be a, a, you know, a long time before that means of communication is eliminated. Does that mean it's worth it? I don't know. I guess it depends on everyone's, uh, you know, situation. But I, I'm still toying with it, praying about it. Uh, I just wanted to get your two cents on it. Uh, it sounds like you're not, you know, you're not totally opposed to it, but you're also not, you know, lining up to buy one, right? Well, yes, because I've been looking at them for the last few months. They're expensive. And there's a question. The thing is, if you've got a way to recharge them, you probably have the best solution to what's coming. They take down the grid. There's no electricity. You're going to have to have a generator. And then it's going to be who can you contact on that phone and what's the purpose of contact? If you have your family right where you are, your friends are there, you probably don't need one where you're on the road all of the time, your children are going somewhere, you know, let's face it, you want to do whatever you can to provide, but at a thousand dollars a piece, yeah. it makes you go, how long are they going to last? How good are they going to be? You know, it's like everything else It's like rabbit R1. They just came out. It is a little pocket. Um, it's kind of like a phone, kind of like a radio. It does uh, things immediately. It's faster than chat GPT. And I just looked at it this morning. It's got a lot of really good things. But again, it uses electricity and it's going to need the Internet. So, you know, if you're going to flip a quarter for me, I don't know if it would be very useful. 
For you, that's a different situation because if you get out somewhere when you are going to your seminars, meetings, or whatever, it might be a good thing for you to have because you might be able to contact somebody to help. Yeah, unless the entire country or with a sat phone, it could be the world, but I don't have a lot of contacts outside of the United States. Uh, Unless the entire country goes down where nobody has phones, which I I still think that's a very unlikely scenario. I think a sat phone, you're always going to be able to call somebody. By the way, it's uh, the phones are free if you sign up with Iridium. It's uh, and I'm not promoting them or, or anything. That's just from my own research. And uh, and again, it's just a monthly fee. It's a two year contract, and you have uh, you know 100 minutes per month. But the actual phone is free. One or I mean, it it comes with the service. And then you know the other thing is it you can text with them, and it doesn't count against your minutes. So uh, it's the old style alphanumeric texting, but in an emergency, you know, if you needed to get a message to someone, uh, you could text someone, you know, who has an iPhone or whatever. So I don't know. I encourage people to, you know, these are the kind of things to think about. And now's the time to think about them, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the texting being analog, uh, during Hurricane Katrina, texting would go through, voice would not. There you go. They're on two different servers, two different systems. So in being analog, you're not going to be affected by EMPs in the same way you would be with digital. Yeah. So if that's what you're going to use, um, I still say Iridium, for my research, look to be the best one out there. So if they haven't been downgraded to, you know, Space Link or whatever it's called, um, you're probably okay. Well, Randy, as always, thanks so much. A lot of great information um, and, you know, lots happening around the world, of course. But um, what's nice is we have a rock on which to stand. We have uh, the Word of God that uh, can uh, kind of always point us in the true north. Uh, it's our it's our solace. It's a, uh, you know, lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So I encourage folks to stay in the Word of God. If you're listening today and uh, you are uncertain about your eternal destiny. Maybe you don't know for certain that you'll spend eternity in heaven. Today is the day of salvation. You don't have to wonder. You know, a lot of people think, well, I, I hope I get in. I'll wait and see when I die. I got my fingers crossed. You don't have to wait. You can know with absolute certainty right now where you're going to spend eternity. It's not based on works. It's not by works, but by grace. It's a free gift. And as with any gift, once you receive it, it's yours. And uh, you can't give it back. You can't lose it. God will never take it back. God's word is true. He says, if you believe in me, you have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for your personal sins. He took your place on the cross. He paid your sin debt. And he's offering to you that payment on your behalf through his shed blood. And all you have to do is receive it by faith. More than 160 times, the Bible simply says quite plainly in the New Testament, If you believe in Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for your sins, you have eternal life. So I hope you'll do that today. Uh, If you've already done that, then then look up, be watchful, be confident, uh, smile. These are exciting times. I know that it's an upside down world, as we talked about at the outset, but Christ is going to come back and turn it back around. And uh, we expect that. We know that God's word is true and we rest and until then, stay in touch. Check out our website, notbyworks.org. Uh, we posted some new free things. I think three new documents have been posted to the free section of our online store, uh, including my No Trust Obey charts. Uh, and so check that out when you have time. Just go to notbyworks.org, click on the store button, and then there's a, a banner at the top of the store that says free resources. No credit card needed. You just... Uh, Put them in your cart, and we will email them to you instantly. So uh, anyway, God bless everyone. God bless you, Randy. Continue to stay strong. Uh, Thank God for the warmer weather. We're going to be excited about the rest of this week. Don't forget tomorrow. Boy, you don't want to miss this one. Tomorrow we've got Pete Garcia, and then we've got Alex Newman on Friday. Can't wait to pick their brain. Pete's going to give us kind of his take on 2024. Uh, He was on with our mutual friend Lee Brainerd not long ago and did kind of the same thing. But I want to talk to him myself directly and get his take on what he sees coming down the pipeline. Well, God bless you, everyone. Have a great rest of the day. We will talk again soon.